pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 130. Today I'm going to chat with Colian Noir, talk about what's going on in Virginia, and discuss the new Spear Carry Gun Self-Defense Ammo. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Colian, how are you doing today? I am doing good. You're making quite a bit of you're making quite a bit of noise back there. Yeah, my bad. I'm raiding my refrigerator. Oh. It has nothing right now. Okay. Right now. <laughs> well, your refrigerator sounds like my refrigerator, which is mostly just stocked with um, beer, liquor, some condiments that I've never really used, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I think there's like that well, sounds, there's there's right. there's half and half in there because I definitely need that with my coffee. So well, that's I have, for me. Add fancy sparkling water. Oh, look at you. I I do have to drink bottled water, but it doesn't have to be sparkling. See, I drink sparkling water because I just get bored. Well, isn't it? Drink juice or sodas. You said you can't drink it. Well, I I try not to drink them because of all the sugar. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Even though I just got through eating a banana and some blueberries and such as I'm still eating sugar. But anyway. Yeah, but it's like the good kind of sugar. But, That's what they tell us. But I mean, aren't you my age? Like, aren't we kind of at a point where we still don't really have to watch what we eat as long as we work out? Because, like, that's my whole game plan. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> I know, because I remember. I'm I'm, I'm I'm a relatively naturally stocky figure. So. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say I noticed from your videos, but I totally noticed. Like, I was like, dang, yeah. he's getting a big old booty. <laughs> well, I've always had a that's 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 kind of normal. I have, I've always had naturally big legs in general. Like in middle school, I was called calves. That's what people called me. Yeah. How sad. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Like it. Hell, man, it worked. Was worked I guess you know what? Eight. It's it's probably worked better with the girls. Well, it's probably better to have bigger legs than like little chicken legs, and then be like all big on top and not you know. Yeah, but you know how you know how the saying goes. You have something, you want the other thing. So it's like, yeah, I would kindly give up 35 percent of my of my leg size to to someone in need of it largely but largely just because pants just become an issue because if i do the thighs and then towards the bottom well especially now because it's like trending for guys to wear skinny jeans so i could imagine that's definitely no one said anything about (laughs) anything about no damn skinny jeans (laughs) granted my legs are so big, regular jeans. It looks come like skinny drinks. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, something that is uh, also trending is Manicor Arms, their transformer rail, which they've had out for a while, but it is basically future proof. It's, it's not going to be outdated. And that's because it's a free flow rail system and it has the ability to intermix, uh, little panels that accept, you know, like key mod, M lock and Palmer grip panels. And they come in 13 inch and 15 inch and they are available for, uh, about 155 to $165. But if you use the code gunfunny15, you will get 15% off. And that is at manicorearms.com. Learn the things you never knew. On deconstructing the industry. So before we get into things, I just kind of want to, 
I know it's very intense. It's supposed to be very dramatic just because, you know, a lot of drama is about to unfold. <laughs> but before we get into things, I want to talk about how I think I met you is probably like two years ago. Well, I, I think I met you before that, but I talked to you about two years ago and I'm like, Hey, I want to get you on my podcast. And you're like, Oh, cool. I don't have a business card. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm sure you tell everybody that. And you're like, No, give me your business card and I'm going to write my number on it and then just text me and we'll arrange to, you know, for you to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I text you and nothing. I got like ghosted and I was mm-hmm. like, Well, this is something I'm not used to. <laughs> and then uh, I saw you at a few other events and I was just like, whatever, fuck cool. I was just like super mad. And then, and then I think it was, I don't know, it was a few months ago. I saw you at the, uh, at this event and you were just standing there and I was actually on my way to go get donuts because I was going to do a cute little video where I started pulling donuts out of my pockets. But instead I decided to go over you, over to you and call you out for not answering my text message. And then you were like, all right, we'll text me again. And then, you know, what do you know? Like a few months later, I finally get you on the show. You know what that means, right? What does that mean? <laughs> that it was, everything. there you go. <laughs> and, and that you were the squeaky wheel. And that I was the what? Squeaky wheel. What does that mean? You ever heard of saying squeaky wheel gets the oil? No. I mean, I've heard like early bird gets the worm. Oh God! Is that like the same thing? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, whatever. This show isn't about me learning new slang, okay? Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm notoriously anyone who knows me knows I'm notoriously bad at responding to text messages. You are emails, phone calls, and um, pretty much everything else: smoke signals, DMs. Yeah, I'm pretty bad. Yeah, I actually, I've realized that about you. That's why at this point, when you don't answer me, I just continue to text and text and text and then sometimes call and then text and then DM and squeaky wheel. Yep. There you go. All right. So, um, for people who don't know who you are, um, I know you wear many hats. Can you just tell listeners what you do in the firearms industry? Uh, in short, keep it sweet and simple. I am a second amendment advocate. I am a gun reviewer. I am a connoisseur of gun culture, so to speak, or well, curator mm-hmm. of gun culture, as I had on my Instagram page, curator of the PP life. But more or less, it's just, I'm a, if you really just want to give a 30,000 foot perspective, I'm a two-way influencer of sorts. Quote unquote influencer. Okay. So were you, I mean, when did you start, like, when did you get into firearms? I uh, shot my first gun when I was about 23. I think. So that was like um, yesterday? Always, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the number always changes. Sometimes it's 23, sometimes 24, 25, sometimes 21. I can't really remember. I just know it was like in the early 20s. Okay. Um, Do you remember what it was that you shot? Yeah. It was a Taurus PT-11 Linium. I thought you were going to say a high point. PT-111. I thought you were going to say a high point. Why would you think that? Mm. I was stereotyping. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the stereotype at the time, so I couldn't live up to it. So So how, like what made you go out and shoot your first gun? Were you like with friends, family? Yeah. So I had a friend, he, he randomly just was like, Hey, you want to go shoot? I was like, "Ah." I really wasn't into guns. Um, I wouldn't say I was like Mm anti-gun, but I wasn't pro-gun. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. 
my perspective on firearms is a very negative one. So for me, the idea of going to a gun range was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. But then I realized I had a conversation with myself. I'm like, really, you just scared. And so I didn't like the idea that I was scared of what essentially is an inanimate object. Uh-huh. So I said, all right, let me just go and see what this is about. Went there. I was still kind of nervous. Shot first round and kind of terrified me a little bit because I was like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And granted, I'm shooting, I'm shooting a subcompact 40 millimeter, 40, 40 millimeter, 40, 40 Smith and Weston. Mm-hmm. So, so it has some, you know, to it's it. not exact, exactly. So I, um, shot the first round, was kind of terrified, kind of gathered myself. And then I shot again. I mean, Zen, I fell in love with shooting. I didn't fall in love with the politics out of it. I fell in love with the shooting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I think within that first month, I bought like four guns. I don't wow. know where the money came from, but I bought four of them. Wow. So you were, you got bit by it, by the bug. Hard. So before this, you said that you were kind of sort of against guns. Like you had like a, a negative opinion about guns. Why is that? Mm-hmm. It was just my upbringing. Um, everything in the media that I'd seen was telling me that guns are only used by police officers and criminals. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a police officer. And I didn't have a desire to become a police officer. So I had no use for them because I wasn't a criminal either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, mm. and it's just trouble. You know, anybody who has a gun is going to get shot. You live by the gun, you die by the gun. You know, I grew up hearing all that crap. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching 90s gangster movies. So, you know, all that, all of that aggregated to creating this perspective on firearms that wasn't exactly positive. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. Cause like you, I shot my first gun, uh, just a month short of my 26th birthday. And before that, I lived in New York City and I kind of just thought that like mostly like cops had guns, rednecks, you know, mm-hmm. you just, you kind of have a negative connotation. So I can completely understand that. You actually, so you went to law school. Yes, I did. And you're not practicing law. You still have your, um, what is it called? Like you still keep up with your. Yeah, my license. Yeah, my license. Okay. Okay. Um, And so were you, were you planning on becoming a lawyer or did you just kind of get it just for the hell of getting it? I always wanted, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Well, I'm going to say I always wanted to be a lawyer. I decided that I wanted to become a lawyer. As I was driving down the highway in Houston one day, when I was trying to figure out what the hell I was going to major in mm-hmm. in undergrad, I think it had just completed my first year of undergrad. And at this point, I'm like, dude, like you need to, you need a direction. Cause initially I was, I, I went into undergrad pre, uh, pre med, mm-hmm. hated it. <laughs> and I was, I hadn't even really stepped into it and I already hated it. Yeah. It was just something, just the way my family is, it's like either, either a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Uh-huh. And so after my first year, I'm driving down the road trying to figure out, all right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I remember I'm driving and I started thinking about, all right, what do I enjoy? What are some of the things that I like to do? What is, what flows naturally into my personality and my skill set and my talents? And I've always, you know, it's kind of cliche. It's like, you argue very well. You should think about becoming a lawyer, <laughs> right? Um, but I did truly love the idea of advocacy. It's something I took serious. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so from there, I'm like, it was something that felt natural for me. Being a, becoming a doctor was just something that I would just say because it's not impressive. Right. But the idea of being a lawyer was something that I was really kind of into. Mm-hmm. And so I proceeded down that path and I continued cool. down that path. And the further down the path I went, the more I, I enjoyed it and wanted to do it. Law school sucked, but it equally, it was as equally fun as it, as it did, as it sucked. Mm-hmm. It's the best way that I like to put law school. Like I wouldn't go back and do it again. Yeah. But, but I don't, but I don't regret it at all. It helped mold, shape and mold whatever talents I may have now. Mm-hmm. That allow me to do the job to the degree that I do it. Do but, you yeah. do you think that as you uh, got further into law school that you realized pretty quickly that the law doesn't really work in favor of the law-abiding citizens? If you think that at all, you, you definitely go into the law initially with your nose wide open mm-hmm. and uh, kind of transit delusions of grandeur, where you think you're going to save the world and you you, you won't. But you can't make a difference. And what you start to see is, I, I don't want to make a blanket, blanket statement and that the laws just don't work mm-hmm. because that's not the case. However, you start to see where the laws fail. You start to see the, the less than perfect aspects of the law. And as is the case with anything, nothing's perfect. So it was definitely eye-opening for me as I was going through law school and, and, and seeing how things played out, the mentality the thought process put behind why certain laws exist and the reasoning behind them. And and that for me was definitely an eye opener. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after law school, you, at what point did you start, you know, did you become Colian Noir? During law school. (laughs) I was about halfway done, maybe third of the way done. And I asked kind of the point where I kind of started getting into firearms. And so I, you know, it started my YouTube channel and I just set up a channel called Cold on Noir just to, so I could start making my own videos. And what made you and, choose and that name? I had a um, friend of mine who would always call me Killer Colon. I still don't know why to this day. And he just texted me actually. And I was always a big fan of the color black. Like I'm constantly, like I'm black 24 seven. It's just, Whatever the case is, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, undercover goth, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> uh, I just, I just love the color black. I, I tried to experiment. Like when I was in like college, I was like, you know, you go through your phases of different styles and stuff that you're into. Like I was mm-hmm. kind of a prep, I was kind of a little prep, mm-hmm. pretty boy. I can um, see you know, that. I had like the multi, like the, the different bright colored polos and <laughs> shit like that. I can't believe I just admitted to that. But, <laughs> You know, that being said, you know, as I got older, um, my style started to become more, eh, more classic. Yeah. And, you know, just blacks, just give me black and I'm happy. And so because of that, I thought, okay, well, you know, I don't want to call myself. I was just looking for a cool name. Yeah. And so I didn't want to say Colion Black. It just kind of yeah. felt flat. So I was just like, Colion Noir. I mean, it does. Right. It's very classy um, and one thing that, you know, that is about, like, that sticks out about you is you are, you do have like a very, um, I don't know how to describe it, but I guess, you know, I don't want to say classy because it's not, classy seems a little bit more feminine, but it's like a, a very masculine presence, but it's, it's very, I guess, classic. 
like um, I guess I guess way refined. Mm-hmm. I guess is a better way is a way to put it. I guess, and that's just kind of like based on just the stuff that I kind of always been into. Yeah. Um, All right. You so know, you you started Colian Noir, mm-hmm. and what was your main focus for your YouTube channel? Making gun videos. I wanted to make gun reviews. Nice. So you're like here, you're like, here is a Taurus and it's capable Mm -hmm. of shooting the nine, the 40 and the 45. (laughs) It's it's funny you say that because that's how it went. (laughs) When I, when I started my channel, the whole point of it was to not make videos like the ones I was seeing. Mm -hmm. Even though if you look at my first videos, they were kind of like the videos that I was seeing, but it was kind of, that was kind of like, you know, getting the ball rolling. And so I wanted to make videos that were closer in line to the car videos that I used to watch a lot. Cause I'm a car, I was a car guy before anything else. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was used to this high production, beautiful cinematography, you know, crafted, uh, basically, you know, you had, um, crafted dialogue, you know, you, you, you have something that's written out and just, you have a script and you say exactly what you want to say mm-hmm. in the most efficient way possible, but then in a way that brings the, that pulls the person into the experience that you experience, that you're experiencing with that particular mm-hmm. firearm. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create an gun store experience on YouTube. So like you walk into a gun store and you pick up a gun, touch the gun, feel the gun. What are things that are going through your mind mm-hmm. when you do that? And then couple that with the experience of going to a shooting range. Like at the block the gun and taking it to the shooting range, what's that experience like? Because not everybody has the ability. A lot of people have the ability to go to a gun store, pick up a gun and see it and touch it. You know, that's the tabletop stuff. But to go out and shoot it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Different. Yeah, I mean, depending on what, yeah. like, in what country you are, or even states nowadays. Exactly. So I completely exactly. agree. So that's what I wanted to create. I, I wanted to create something different, and but I had no formal background in videography, no formal background in editing, no formal background. Now, script writing, you could kind of say I did because you know, law school we did a lot of writing. I was always a, I was always kind of sort of a writer, so I kind of pulled from that a little bit to kind of, and I brought that into the videos in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I completely taught myself how to edit, completely taught myself how to shoot video and all of it, honestly done by way of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did all of it. I self-taught on YouTube, which is, I think why YouTube is so near and dear to me, which is weird because theoretically speaking, I have almost a big, I have a bigger reach on Facebook huh, than I do on YouTube. Well, um, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. I don't know if I even follow yeah. you on Facebook. Well, that's that's the funny thing. I get I reach like I have over a million followers on Facebook. Wow. Well, you know, just so you know, I I taught myself how to edit and you know record video, but my stuff doesn't look mm-hmm. as good as your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still that's learning. So right, that's because you didn't watch the right video. Yeah, I was gonna say if you could pass those videos along <laughs> to me, that would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> Well, I mean, but if you think about it, it's, it's kind of sort of like it's something that a lot of people don't realize about content creators in the in the gun world. Like, it takes time, like it a does. lot of time, just to sit down, like learning how to do the simplest things on YouTube. I have to spend hours watching video footage and content, trying to learn how to do the, the most minor things, mm-hmm. so it adds one element to the video that somebody will inevitably say, 
this is trash. Right. But, <laughs> no, I get that a lot on my videos, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, you can't. You you can't. Same thing goes. You can't make everybody happy, but yeah, the the creative the creator in you wants to try mm-hmm. at least. You know, definitely you try to, um, but then while still remaining true to yourself and what you and you know what your passion is and how you want your vision to come out. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get it's easy to get sucked into trying to please everyone with your content but unfortunately life is life and you can't always do that um you can't do it at all actually somebody's not going to like what you do mm-hmm. i have people who like i used to do like i still do them um i'm just i'm just kind of restructuring things very kind of stylizing cinematic gun reviews and i've been doing more of the kind of raw lightly edited style and a lot of that is based around the idea of being able to get the content out sooner. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, if a new gun comes out and I get the gun in my hand sometimes because of the process involved and doing a highly cinematic video, it'll be weeks before I get, before I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I came up with the concept of the first Mac. Because again, what I wanted to do is, okay, if I can't, if I have, if I, if I can't give you a full length review, Within a short period of time since I've had the gun, what can I do? I can give you the experience of, because normally what I would do is I'd get a gun, I'd go out off camera, shoot it for a little bit, then give you my take. Right. However, since I'm not doing that now, because I need to get, I need to get the, because, you know, people are like, well, what's your thoughts on this gun? And I'm like, yeah. man, they, they literally just sent it to me. Right. Or yeah. I literally just bought it or I literally just borrowed it, you know, because I acquired mm-hmm. them from a number of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And, it's so with the first mags, I'm like, all right, so here's what I'm going to do. How do I recreate the feeling you get when you buy a new gun and you have to wait like seven, it's like four days because you got to wait till the weekend so you can go and shoot it. And then what's that, what's that shooting experience like the very first time when you shoot that gun? And that's where the first mag concept came up. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And um, so good. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB yeah, yeah. Tactical, which you should be familiar with because Very familiar. Uh, we were at the Big Daddy Unlimited event and I was talking to SB Tactical mm-hmm. and then you come along and, you know, suddenly all eyes are on you and I'm just like, hey guys, I'm over here. Remember we were recording content <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. You know, just like, but. It's funny because Alex, the owner of uh, SB Tactical, he actually thought I was serious. And he, to this day, still apologizes for basically putting his attention on you and not keeping it on me, <laughs> which well, I'm like. Because I I had met Alex a while ago and, you know, we had we had conversation, a uh, very fruitful conversation. And I hadn't been able, we hadn't been able to finish it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that, that's where a lot of that was born from was that because I hadn't seen him since then. Okay. So it was, it was, it was more like, let's re, let's continue what we had talked about before versus, oh my God, it's cooling on the water. Well, I don't know. I kind of feel like it was a, probably a little bit of both, but all I know is I was standing there <laughs> talking to everybody and then suddenly this new shiny thing comes along and everybody just automatically, you know, crowds around it and I'm sitting there like, you know, with my camera, like, Hey guys, are we going to finish this? <laughs> did you just call, did you just call me shiny? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's basically how it went down. I was like, okay, I kind of hate him. (laughs) 
but they they make like some really awesome stuff it's it's actually i mean they have a lot of like exclusive stuff to different companies like you wouldn't even know that they're actually playing a role in you know the braces that you see on other guns so they pretty much have their hands like in in almost everything that's the tactical revolutionized the industry they really did they really did so if you guys haven't checked them, if you haven't checked them out, definitely go to sb-tactical.com. If you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off anything on their website. So I want to change the subject a little bit. And I remember it was probably about a month ago, I told you that I wanted to get into politics. And you said, you know, you told me that I should really think about it because it could be rough. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I have thick skin. I can handle it. And you're like, yeah, me too. But, you know, like a few comments here and there, okay, whatever, you can take it. But you're like, when you read like the millionth comment and it's all negative and they're all bashing you, eventually it starts to wear on you. And I can totally see it now because just in the little bit of of just the few posts that I've, you know, posted that involve politics, it's like, I mean, it's, it is like, it's a completely different animal. And if anything, it's just, it's, it's making me sick because- the firearms industry, I mean, we're all basically just hating on each other instead of focusing that energy and putting it towards more important things like fighting for our rights. We're all just like basically attacking ourselves internally. Yeah, um, I think a lot of that has to do with. So anytime you have any type of currency within a particular dynamic, you're, you're going to get that. You're going to get that kind of you're going to get you're going to get competition. You're going to get jealousy. You're going to mm-hmm. get. All of those types of things and all of those exist in the gun industry, right? You can make good money in the gun industry. You can, you can get pretty famous in the gun industry. So you got people who, and then you, and then from a, from a personality standpoint, you know, you may have some people who look at everybody else as a competitor. Yeah. Right. And then from a consumer standpoint, you know, you got people who, you know, there just may be something about you they don't like, right? Or something that they don't relate to mm-hmm. and they see that in you and they don't like it. So therefore you're either a fake a liar, piece of shit or an opportunist. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then also one of the, one of the prevailing <laughs> aspects, of, uh, kind of, I don't want to say prevailing, but it's pretty evident is this notion that if you're not doing something for free, then you don't really, you don't really, it's not genuine. Right. And so, or if you happen to be making money from something dealing in the gun industry, you're not really an advocate. You're just mm-hmm. out there to make a buck. Yeah. Which and is so, so frustrating because people don't realize that this is what we do for a living. So I don't yeah. have, I don't have another job. It's not like I have a nine to five. Like I'm like knee deep, like knees deep in the gun industry. I do the podcast, firearm training, reviews. I mean, I do make you know, I make a living off of a bunch of different things, but it's all revolves around the firearms industry. And no, well, and I, and I, you're absolutely right. So if people are like, Oh, well, you know, you got paid for this review. Like, I think that people should absolutely get paid for reviews because if you've ever recorded, you know, a bunch of video footage, edit it together, it takes so much time that (laughs) why the hell would anybody do it for free? I don't think that they should yeah. pay for your opinion, obviously. And I think that that seems to be pretty clear among, you know, a lot of people. But, 
you know, if you're, if you're trying to push some products while also educating the public about certain things, there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of people, you know, will argue otherwise. Absolutely. Like if I broke down the money involved in just creating video between what I have to pay my videographer, Mm -hmm. hell, just my storage. I pay almost a hundred dollars a month just for cloud storage, just to house all the content that I produce. Um, you know, my, my laptop is about four grand. That's my laptop. Yeah. And, and then you're like, well, you don't need a four grand. Yeah, I do. I do actually. <laughs> I'm putting out 4K content. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to, I, 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 I the machine that's, uh, a machine that's sub four, sub three is not going to be able to handle 4K content, mm-hmm. especially not with the magnitude and degree which I put out content. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's like, then I have to buy several cameras for several things, right? So let's talk about this podcast, for instance. So I'm sure just the equipment alone in your podcast costs a lot of money. You mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's a, it's a constant endeavor of, of putting money into something that you enjoy doing, just making a living from it. Yeah. But then a lot of people look at you and remember, like I told you before, it's like when you have something and you don't have something, you're looking at what somebody else has and saying, Oh, that must be better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, green, you know, green on the other side, right? A lot of people look at people in the firearms industry because so you have someone who likes firearms, loves guns. And then they see individuals making a living out of doing something that they love, right? So they look at it and say, oh, it must be nice. Oh, you're complaining, but you get to shoot guns for a living. Right, which I hear all the time. Yeah. Which, like, God forbid, if if I don't want to shoot a gun on my day off. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, wow, because, you know, this girl over here, yeah, she does it for a living. So, uh, you know, and I always hear it must be nice. Or if I get guns yeah. for a review, like, guess what? Free stuff doesn't pay the bills. Like, it just it just annoys me because, you know, it, there's so much more work that's involved that people don't see. Of course. And the, the, the irony is, is I find myself doing it, too, to people in the car space, right? Because remember, I was I, – my love, my love for cars developed mm-hmm. way before my love for guns. And sometimes I look at people in the car space. I'm like, damn, must be nice. You just get to drive around and have cars. For <laughs> and then you stop right? yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, and, and then, and then now that I've started doing car videos, I'm starting to realize with the work that go, that's involved in the car videos. Right. And I'm like, cause I used to always say, man, in a, if I were doing this, if I were doing the stuff in the gun space that I would be doing in another, if I were doing what I'm doing in a gun space in another space, life would be so much easier. Right. Because we don't have all these restrictions. We don't have all these people and platforms hating on our hating on what I do. Now, mm-hmm. I will say this. I don't know if people are paying attention. But if you take the biggest content producers in the gun space and you take their audience and you compare them to the audience and people like in tech and the car world, so forth and so on. Notwithstanding the limitations that are being placed on us based on these platforms. The biggest creators in the space should be multimillionaires right now because that's how that's how much money the other people in other di- in other demographic are not demographics but in other sectors are making mm-hmm. right with the same type of audience they're making millions yeah. we in the gun industry are making even close to that yeah not even close to it not even a fraction of it mm-hmm. so you know it's it can get, get frustrating because you're not only dealing with the shit you get from the platforms right from so from YouTube, Instagram, and all the limitations and the hoops that we have to jump through, the demonetization, we got to deal with that. Then on top of that, we got to deal with people getting mad at us for making the pennies that we do make, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and I get it. A lot of it is just boring because they just don't know, you know? 
it like I said, it seems better. Seems great. And don't get me wrong, it is. I enjoy what I do. I love it. Well, definitely. I can go out and make. Yeah, I mean, I it, make twice as much money as I make now being a lawyer. Yeah, I just won't love it as much. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. It's better than having your typical nine to five working in the cubicle. And exactly. I mean, I'll never go back to working for anybody. Hopefully, knock on wood. I've been self-employed for almost eight years, and it's working. So, yeah, exactly. Now, granted, keep in mind, you know, it's 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 one of those things. It's like, it's not all. <laughs> it's not all peaches and cream. Yeah, no, right? it's definitely it's not. Wild. There's, trust me, there's a lot. I mean, there's times I was even thinking before I, uh, you know, started this show, like literally this episode is I was thinking back to like how many times in the last couple of months was I like crying hysterically, had to pull it together and record a show <laughs> and sound <laughs> like I'm like super happy about it and just, you know, cause I mean, there's been like a few, a few things that have happened recently in my life that I haven't really shared with anybody and, and you just, you know, but you have to put on that face and, and just, you know, act like, you know, cause that's what they want to see. And so it, it definitely gets, it could be hard. So yeah, as no, opposed no, to you going to work and just hiding in a cubicle and, you know, living with your problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's deceptively taxing because mm-hmm. even for me, like I work nonstop 24 seven, like everything is work. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, people look at me and say, well, you, you shoot guns for a living. I'm like, not really. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Half my life is spent researching. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm, I'm either. I'm, funny thing is, I'm technically in a lot of ways doing shit that lawyers do. You know, and you know, sometimes I find myself trying to, like, I t- I literally tell myself sometimes, like, for instance, let's talk about today. So today, uh, I got up and I had I had my day planned out exactly what I was going to do. I was supposed to put out a video today, and I didn't. And what happened was. I got home because I was, I just, I got back from the studio where I'm setting up my podcast and I'm kind of making sure everything's going right with that. I get home and all of a sudden I'm like exhausted. And this is like three o'clock in the afternoon. And and I'm telling myself, I'm like, I got stuff to do. Yeah. Right? I got a lot to do. And, and I'm like, right now, all I want to do is take a nap and do nothing for the next two hours. And I'm like, nope. I was like, I mean, but come on, like, is it really that? Like, like you had to do gun stuff. Stop being a bitch, right? <laughs> and then it hit me, and it's like, no, because it doesn't seem like because it's not your traditional. Like, I'm not going into an office. Mm-hmm. It's still the same. It still is taxing on my mind and my body. Mm-hmm. Is there any other type of work, right? So. My mind is focused on work 24-7. It is. Coming up with scripts, idea, video ideas, how to edit this, what to, what to, what to delegate to my videographer versus me doing it, right? Mm-hmm. How do I shoot this video? How do I, all of these things that take up space in my brain that I'm constantly thinking about nonstop. Yeah. And it's exhausting. And I, I, exactly. I and I don't totally realize get, it until. I can completely relate to everything. And it's in, not to mention like being your own boss, you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to take a quick nap, but you have to have that discipline to like, nope, sorry. Like you have to set deadlines for yourself and. No, screw that. I took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I took a nap, but here's why I use, I normally wouldn't, I normally wouldn't. I would just push through. But if it makes the you perform better. Is, exactly. That's, the, that's it. 
So what ends up happening is when I do that, I hit a wall. And when I hit the wall, instead of being down for two hours, I get, I'm down for three days mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm just burned out. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't even have it in me. And so what I'm learning to do is to take those breaks when my body tells it, tells it to. And, and then from there, so basically I'm down for a shorter period of time and then I end up being more productive than trying to constantly push through, push through, push through it. And I hit a wall. I'm like, no, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I do that all the time. Like I just, because I just, I just get burned out. And a lot of it is the switching of the gears. Yeah. Right. And that's why I warned you about the political stuff because you, you, you already do the podcast, you already do the gun reviews and the, and the gun culture side. And the, into and the teaching. Huh? Say it again. I said, don't forget about the teaching. I teach classes te- two exactly, to three times exactly. a week. Exactly. So from that perspective, you got to think about how many gears you have to switch. Yeah. Right. So for me, I have to like, if I'm thinking about doing a bit like I'm working on a video and responding, I'm responding to a Joe Biden video, right? Mm-hmm. And to be, to, to be honest, I could literally just turn on a camera, sit in front of a camera and for 10 minutes, just state my piece. The problem is, is I'm not just putting the video out so people could just hear my thought process on it. I'm, I'm trying to convert people. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to convey an information. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convey information that honestly has been talked about to death, but in a fresh new way in every single video, right? And I'm having to counter that, that message with actual facts. So Joe Biden can state one thing in a, in a two-minute video, state one line. That one line will cause me to have to research for the next two and a half hours just so that I can counter it with one fucking number yeah. in my video that's 10 seconds. So imagine him doing that for five minutes. <laughs> so I know. It's, it's, and, and then I'll finish that. I'll shoot it. I have to edit it and upload it. The upload process alone, because I upload to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The upload process alone takes an hour to two hours by itself. Then on top of that, I got to stop after I'm done with that. Now I have to switch gears. Now I have to think about, all right, what gun review do I want to work on? Do I want to write a script for the gun review? Is there a video that I need to edit? You get what I'm saying? So now mm-hmm. I've gone from analytical to creative mode all in one day. Yeah. And then back again. So that going back and forth switch, you're, you're literally bouncing between the left and the right brain. So that exhaustion, you're exhausted now. You get into the political space, and I'm not telling you not to. I think you should. But just understand like be cognizant of the switching back and forth because you'll hit that wall real quick. So just be on guard for it so that you can, you can, you can, you can pass at the head and say, you know what? I'm going to take a break. It's going to stop. Chill. Let it go. Yeah. And, that's, and that's not even talking about the business side of it. I know. I'm still running. I'm running a full blown merchandising store. And that in and of itself is a full, is a double full time job. I'm not even going to get into that because that is just, lunacy of the highest order but so that so yeah so from the perspective of jumping into the political sphere and like i said we talked about the emotional mental health aspect of it right well you you don't care then none of that bothers you if i truly didn't give a fuck if you didn't truly give a fuck about this you wouldn't be doing it you would no it's not even that you wouldn't be doing it you wouldn't even care what people said It, it wouldn't bother you you wouldn't care 
If someone says, oh, you're a fake, we don't care because I don't care. <laughs> but when you do and someone questions your integrity about something that you're deeply passionate about, then it bothers you. I think that I would just probably get more annoyed than anything. I don't think – and I think that sense? that's what would bother me is – I would feel like I'd constantly have to like defend myself and I would just get annoyed because of the outlook that they have and in trying to convince them otherwise. And it's like, just, okay, whatever, forget it. You know, especially mm -hmm. when they're worth, they're so stuck on, you know, their, their viewpoint, but it's, I don't know. It's, and, and I mean, I get, I get like, I don't really get too many mean comments and stuff, but every now and then I do. And I kind of mm -hmm. have to laugh because I think that a lot of guys are assuming, because a lot of these comments come from guys, and I think that they're assuming that I'm not going to say anything, and I do. I kind of just put them in their place, and then they're quiet, uh, which I think is kind of well, funny. Well, because – and that's another thing that I've learned. 99% <laughs> of the time, it's just someone who wants your attention. Mm -hmm. And so if you're getting a ton of comments that are good, and then you respond to the negative to, to, one. Well, yeah, there's that. But their mindset is if you have a ton of comments that are good, that turns into a white piece of paper. Yeah. If they're the negative comment on a white piece of paper, which is a black dot, all you're going to be able to focus on is that black dot. And that's how they get their attention. And that's why you get when you respond back, you get silence after that because it's like, well, I got my attention. Wow. Yeah, and then some right. people will try to drag it, drag it on and on. They'll keep responding. And, and the thing is, you've made the mistake of thinking that you're engaging in a constructive conversation with someone from the perspective of, okay, well, they said something about you. You counter it. And you say, no, that's actually not true. They have no intentions on changing their mind. Sometimes they don't even really believe what they're saying. But because now they've got your attention, that's all they care about. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do whatever is necessary to maintain and, and, and keep that attention. So they can't agree with you because if you do, then that ends the conversation, thus ending the attention. So they have to keep going deeper, mm -hmm. deeper and deeper and deeper that with makes, their critique of you. Yeah, that makes because, sense. Yeah, because otherwise the conversation's over. Yeah. There's a prime example of that on your page. That's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So, you know, kind of like switching the subject a little bit. So I have seen you at quite a few events. And one of the things that I always kind of, I found interesting is you tend to stand off towards, you know, off on the sidelines and mm -hmm. you don't really, not to say like you're antisocial, but I mean, you don't really right, talk to, well, <laughs> all right. I was trying to sugarcoat <laughs> it for you. <laughs> you wear black well, clothes. I, you're antisocial. I think we need to, you know, get you some help. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. I love people. I love people, right? However, it's draining. Yeah. It's well, draining. and I and also, the why, I don't think yeah. that you're like, by, by standing off to the sidelines, whereas you could put yourself in the middle and like have all the attention on you, I think that it actually kind of shows like it, it sort of like humanizes you and it makes you less egotistical. And so well, that I was... See myself, I really don't see myself any different from when I first picked up that gun to where I am now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. I understand my influence, but I'm, I really, in my head, I, I just, I'm just that guy that fell in love with guns, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but then also to be honest with you, I don't trust a lot of people. Yeah. I've been burned a lot in this industry. I've, I've 
been burned by people I tried to help. Mm-hmm. I have. And I've been seeing situations where soon it was to their advantage to say something negative or be negative towards me. They jumped on it, even though prior to that, we were, we were all cool. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, and I mean, it's, I mean, to the degree where it's like, you even stuck your neck out for some people behind the scenes and you can't fault them for this because they don't know you did that for them. But nonetheless, it's like, damn. Yeah. And it's happened over and over and over and over and over again. And nobody in the community who consumes the content or is part of their, they, you know, they're not in the community, so to speak. They don't see that stuff. So they think, oh, well, you're just an arrogant asshole or you are, I don't know what what, the word to use, but they look at you as being the bad guy because all you're really doing is protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, all you've dealt with was people. That just screwed you over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like after a certain certain point, it's like, for what? It's like, and the funny thing is it's, I have to be careful with that because when I was, I was in law school and I had, and I was working as a law clerk with my mentor. The first day I got there to the office, he was like, he was very, he's a dick actually. So it was a girl in law school. She was like, Hey, I think you, I said, and she's like, I want to introduce you to this attorney. I think you guys will hit it off. She's like, y'all kind of remind me of each other in a lot of ways. And so it'd be kind of a good clerkship for you to have. Right. And I get to the office and the guy's a dick. He's kind of real standoffish. He's not really. <laughs> and you're really like, you're like, right? this guy reminds you of me. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> it's like, then, it's like that moment when they try to set you up, like your friends try to set you up on a blind date and they're like, oh, he's perfect for you. And then you see him, you're like, why the hell would you think this person is perfect for me? Yeah. And they couldn't be like that. more opposite than you. <laughs> well, you know what to say, opposite the track, right? Uh, I don't um, know. <laughs> but. You know, I remember him just saying, you know, yeah, he's like, if you want to come back, you can come back. And he's like, I ain't paying nobody. You know, I don't have anywhere to put you. If you want to come back and sit and just watch and learn, fine, whatever. I was like, what a dick. (laughs) But I came back. And I kept coming back. And I kept coming back. And then eventually, he started opening up to me. And he started actually being very proactive and helping me. And he still does that to this day. But, and he told me the reason why he acted that way before is because he had helped other people in the past and they all burned him. Mm-hmm. And so when we walked in, it was like, he was just kind of waiting for the cycle to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm kind of now, I'm now that I'm in a position that I am in, I'm starting to become the same way because there are so many opportunists in this industry. Hear me out though. I don't have a problem opportunist. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with drive. I don't have a problem with ambition. I don't have a problem with people using me to a degree, right? I don't like blind opportunism. Mm -hmm. That's what I can't stand. It's just this very kind of carnal, exploitative opportunism. I don't like it. Yeah. And there are people like that in the industry and it gets old. Yeah. It's old real fast. So yes, sometimes you'll see me and, you know, kind of standoffish. Now this is with respect to industry stuff. When it comes to my supporters, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to, that's, don't get me wrong. That's exhausting too. It's exhausting because it's like every encounter, like at any annual meetings, for instance, right? Every encounter that I have with that person, it's their first encounter. It may mm-hmm. be my 110,000th encounter. But you have to act like it's the first for you. I can't, I can't act. It has to be genuine. Yeah. And so the fact that it has to be genuine is exhausting. And but, not to mention, you don't do a great job of like smiling, let alone your fake smile. <laughs> no, my smile is real. That's the funny thing. The smile. I know. And, and it was somebody so, pointed it out. But you and I, I have, you and I have like the same smile though. And, yeah. and people are like, no, smile for real. And I'm like, this is my real I'm like, smile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't somebody know. Pointed, it hurts my face. <laughs> well, I didn't realize my, my smile looks fake until somebody pointed it out. Yeah, because it's so normal to me. I was just like, "That's how I smile." And I looked, and I was like, "It's much as like, yeah, nice fake <laughs> smile." I was like, "What? Oh shit, it does look fake." Yeah. So like now but... I'm consciously trying to figure out ways to make my smile look real. It's so hilarious. I'm trying to make my real smile look fake real. I know, <laughs> I know. I hear you because I've had so many people call me out, and they're like. There, I mean, even, you know, like a, a boyfriend, he's like, no, mm-hmm. you, like really like do your real smile, not your fake smile. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know, you know, and then I, and then if somebody like makes me laugh and they take a picture, I'm like, okay, well that looks stupid. That's not a good picture. <laughs> well, 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 see, here's a funny thing about that for me, the, the, the pictures where I don't look like it's a fake smile mm-hmm. is when somebody said something to make me laugh. Yeah, but then I don't, I mean, that's what somebody will say to me, but then I don't look as good. I look like I'm like mid, like, you know, about to have a seizure or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good look. So I'm like, I'm going to go back looks, to that, you know. But it's, but it's genuine. It's genuine, but it doesn't look the, good on me. According to the people. <laughs> um, well, I mean, do you want to be genuine or do you want to look good? Ah, uh, you know, can I, I don't know, can I meet somewhere in the middle? <laughs> so... I don't know. I mean, if you don't mind talking about this, so you were pretty heavily involved in the NRA at one point. Yeah. And then with everything that kind of happened, uh, with, you know, the NRA and Ackerman McQueen, you haven't, you haven't been, you know, the face of the NRA in quite some time now. Mm-hmm. So do you mind yeah, if I, I ask no, like what I have, happened? I have no, no, no dealings, no interactions, nothing with the NRA right now. It's collateral damage. Okay. It was a relationship that fell through. Everybody involved, done. So, Why? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like people are like, oh, because I don't know my damn self. Um, I don't stop is the thing. I don't, I don't like, I don't wait for people to give me anything. Mm-hmm. So when it fell through, just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it was just kind of, it just is what it is. Like I don't, there's so it, it's such a convoluted, complex dynamic going on with that that for me to take the time to understand it and figure it out would be a complete and utter waste of time because even when I did understand it, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. Right. When we're talking about a relationship that had been going on for thirty plus years, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, ooh, like oh. This is interesting. <laughs> like, You're like, wow. I'm just gonna sneak out the back way. <laughs> well, it wasn't even the back that. Door. I, mean, I didn't even. I did. I didn't even have to do that. It was like boom, overnight, gone. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It did. It did yeah. seem like everything kind of happened overnight, and yeah. you know, it, 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 
and people, you know, there's some people, who, especially people don't like me, just like, ah, just like that. It's like, what are you going to do now, Mr. NRA? I'm not worried about that shit. I can yeah. make money. Money, that's nothing. Well, it's been it's, almost a year, too, and obviously you're doing yeah. completely fine. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I mean, that's how I was born. Like, I just, I just, I don't, like, I don't, I don't stop. Mm-hmm. But the thing that hurt me the most was the show. That because we have so much content that is now never going to see the light of day. And it hurts. Yeah, I can imagine. It hurts because I'm like, I mean, awesome interviews, awesome content. Like it was just like, oh my God. I was like, this is just dead. And, and it's not even like, okay, well here, they can say here, take this and just put it out because a lot of it was unedited. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were just in the process of finished filming and editing. And, and it's just like, now it's like, done. And then like, whew, that hurts. It hurts a lot. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a content creator by, by nature. So to see content just go to waste, mm-hmm. especially awesome content just go to waste, that hurt. Yeah, I could but, totally, I could see that. Yeah. That would definitely yeah. hurt. Do you have no ill will? Well, do you have any thoughts on like what's going on now with the NRA? No, I, to be honest with you, I don't pay attention to it. I just don't. It, it doesn't mean no good. It doesn't mean no benefit. Now, they are still the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. By way of this issue. Now, from that perspective, you know, you can't deny that. But yeah. No, I know. And that's, I, I don't, I think that that's what's yeah, I, so frustrating about it is, you know, there's a bunch of other organizations, but they're not as, well-known, I guess they don't have, you know, they're not like right in front of like, you know, in the courthouses and, and yes. actually like fighting and, and, and you and know, I think people go ahead. Sorry. Let me cut you off. No, you can go ahead. Uh, and, and I think people misconstrue when, when I say things like that, people misconstrue it and think that all these organizations aren't worth a damn. No, they're incredible. They are. They're just not important. as big and they're not as well known and they're not, you know, they haven't covered as much ground because even though everyone's kind of mad at the NRA right now, I mean, they did accomplish quite a bit in, you know, in the past. Well, and the thing is, it's like everyone has their space, right? So like you have an audience that you speak to. There are some, there may be some crossover between your audience and my audience, right? Mm-hmm. But by and large, you have a specific audience that you speak to. I have a specific audience that I speak to, so forth and so on. It's the same thing with the, with the, with the gun issue, right? Each gun organization has their specialty. Think something that they're good at doing. And from a legislative standpoint, the NRA was the best. Mm-hmm. Call it what you want. They yeah. were the best, right? So from that, and there's some organizations that are probably better at the straight up lawsuit aspect, mm-hmm. right? But in the space of, 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 of having leverage and influence on the Hill, there is no, there is no other organization. There is, whether you like them or not, whether you think they're doing a good job or not, even if they're not doing a good job, even when they're not doing a good job, they still have the same influence, right? It's just a matter of how they decide to leverage that influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you- so from that perspective, it's like, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, there's no, I have no, there's no ill will between me and them. Like I said, I just keep going. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to catch up to me and tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, what's up? What's up? I'm going to show you out. But by and large, like I have a job to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. I was an advocate. I was an advocate before and I'm 
was an advocate then, and I'm still going to be an advocate after that. So, what do you think are some of the things that people can do to fight for our rights? So, the the fight to protect the Second Amendment is about the people, mm-hmm. and, I, and I mean that. It's not just a slogan that I throw so I can sell shirts. It's about the people because we live in a society where even though the people in power are wanting to accumulate more power so that they can have more control. They can only do that if we give it to them, right? So that they, so they have to convince us to give them the power. It's literally like a, it's like a pimp prostitute relationship, right? So what does the pimp do? The pimp doesn't force the prostitute to give him his money, give give him her money that she made, right? She did that. She, he has to convince her that he is in a better position to put her in a better position by giving him the money, right? That's where the game comes in. So once he's able to do that, then he's able to leverage control over her, right? Psychologically, even more so. Same thing with the government. The government wants to, by its nature, the government is a black hole of power, right? It is our job to keep the government in check. And we do that by way of what? By voting, writing to our legislature, our representatives, so forth and so on. So they have to convince people to give up freedoms, right? So with respect to the Second Amendment, they have to convince us to give up freedoms. That's why they go on these full-out assaults in the media against firearms, why they have all these fake stats. If they could just force their way into it, they wouldn't even need to do all that. So what we have to do is talk to as many people as possible when it comes to the Second Amendment, whether that be talking to people in your family, whether that be talking to people on the street. I'm not telling you to go out and be an evangelist. However, but when you see the opportunities to to have those conversations, don't have those conversations to beat the person into the ground and say, huh, you're stupid, I'm right, and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't argue, converse. Yeah. Because you may not get the answer and response that you want right then and there, but if you have a conversation instead of an argument, there's no egos involved. So then that person gets to go home without their ego and then rethink and think about what you've said. Because I've had a lot of people come back to me after that when I think I didn't get through and they were like, I thought about some of the stuff you said afterwards. And you know what you made? You made some great points and I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where some of the, that's where some of the basis of my merchandise comes in. It's designed to be a kind of soft form of advocacy. In that it's it's designed to pique your curiosity if you're not into firearms, right? My business partner wears our he wears he wears my merchandise more than I do. <laughs> right? Well, that's hard and, to believe because I feel like every time I see you, you're wearing your own merchandise. <laughs> yeah, in my in my in my videos and when I'm going to events. Yeah, right. So from that perspective, though, and, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because my business partner. He lives that life. Mm-hmm. Like he, he enjoys life. Right? On Sunday, I don't even know. I don't even need to call him. I know where he's at. Where is he? Sunday, Sunday. So now I'm on. I'm on social media. I'm going to Instagram. He's at a fucking day party with a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I will not comply. T-shirt on. <laughs> so, but he always comes back to me and talks to me about all these these conversations that he has with people who are because my because my business partner didn't grow up pro gun. Mm-hmm. He's he's actually because we went to college together. So. He was actually kind of apathetic, right? Which but I he's think, been with me since the beginning. And I so th- what he tells me all the time is, 
Our shirts are just ambiguous enough mm-hmm. to make people question, like, what the hell is that? Like, and then you get to have the conversation. Yeah. Right? Pee-pee life. What the fuck is the pee-pee life? Well, this is what it means. Oh. So now they're introduced to it, not from a hostile perspective, but one of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right? So, or even sometimes it is hostile. The number of times that he's told me, see, I don't wear a lot of my my merchandise sometimes when I go out like day partying, so to mm-hmm. speak, because I'm trying to I'm trying to decompress. Right. I know. <laughs> so I do this all day, every day. So for me, I'm like, I just want to have my drink. I just want to enjoy, talk to some girls, and go about my business. Mm-hmm. He, on the other hand, since he doesn't do this day in and day out, he's like, let's have that conversation. And and I love that zeal. Yeah. But sometimes people say, You, you like assault weapons? And they'll point to the shirt. And then like, yeah. And they're like, why? Why does anybody need that? And then he has a conversation with it. And he, and he talks. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, I can see. Okay. I can see where, the, where you come from. That is advocacy. Right? So what that does is now you've empowered somebody with knowledge that they didn't already have. So now when they're on TV or when they're watching TV or they're on social media and they're scrolling and they get some information from Joe Biden or, or Bloomberg and tries to put up an ad that says this and that. And they see them like, oh, no, no. So that's what he was talking about. That's not true. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Not, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, an easiest, that's the easiest way to protect the right. And then, of course, you want to take it a step further? Take people shooting. It's real talk. Take mm-hmm. people shooting. And please don't take people shooting for the first time and put a 454 Kazoo Red Hawk Alaskan in your hands. But, <laughs> you know, take, taking people shooting does wonders mm-hmm. at converting people. Now, the problem is, is it's not always easy, right? It's, it's hard enough for us to get to the range to shoot by ourselves most of the time. So taking someone to the range is going to be hard. But if you have that opportunity, do it. Well, I do it pretty regularly. <laughs> Which is true. See? See, you're already, you're ahead of the curve. And every time I'm and like, you know what? I need to start charging more. I'm constantly putting my life in danger. All these new shooters and you tell no lies. But um Especially when they three, they finally hit a bullseye and then they like turn around, they still have the gun in their hand the and they like, turn ah! with yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> but you're and, absolutely right. I think, you know, all of those are are I mean, it's just and we're going to talk about, you know, everything that's going on in Virginia, but I think with a lot of these laws that they want to pass and the reason why people are voting on it is just because they're not educated on exactly what everything is. And, uh, so we'll get into that, you know, here shortly, but I think, you know, just kind of exposing them to that, it definitely sort of opens their mind to, you know, to other, uh, avenues, I guess, to, to not be so anti-gun because then they kind of sort of demystify a lot of that things that a lot of those things that they don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So one last question, do you have any future plans that you can tell us about? Ah, blog, working on a new show. I'm going to be doing a lot more training and the training is not from the typical sense. Um, well, kind of. So I'm going to be doing more training, but then capturing the training so as to, so as to, so that I can put the content out there for people who otherwise would not be able to go to these types of training. Mm-hmm. So right now, that's kind of the three things that I'm really that I'm really focused on. I should be focused on writing my book, which 
I'm standing here looking at my concept box for the book with all the cards <laughs> that are inside that I've been meaning to write for almost three, two years now. But uh, at some point, I will I will get that book written. But by and large, those are kind of the things that I'm focused on. Okay, cool. And then do you have any plans for Valentine's Day? What is Valentine's Day? I okay. Valentine's Day. <laughs> I know. So the show comes out Monday. Valentine's Day is the Friday before. But I just figured I'd ask. Yeah, I don't believe in Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you're single. Ladies, Colleen single, I mean, but uh, don't get your hopes up. You're probably not going to get flowers. So just putting that out there. Trust me. Dang a guy who doesn't believe in Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you'll be happy. <laughs> all right. I mean, I mean, that means he shares his love with you all the other days. So you just, so you're saying you get flowers, just it doesn't have to be Valentine's Day to get flowers. No, 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 I don't do that shit either. You don't, are you kidding me? You don't get girls flowers? <laughs> no, I'm not romantic at all. I think that, I don't know. I I'm think that the, guys, when it, when it comes to relationships, I am a Neanderthal. Oh, well, I mean, I could totally see that, but. You know, guys, if you're listening, I think that even if a woman says like, oh, I don't want flowers, I think that it's still a nice gesture. And I don't know, like my dad always like surprised my mom with flowers, like probably once a week. And I always thought that was like really nice. And it kind of just set the tone for like how my sister and I should be treated, I guess, in the future by by men. But it's funny because then I've dated guys that like refuse to buy me flowers because they're just they're going to just die. But I'm like, I don't care. I want flowers. So Go out and get me some flowers. And if they die in three days, oh fucking well, it was like, what, $10, $20? Who cares? So finally, that same guy that refused to give me flowers, he got me a potted plant. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're not together anymore. (laughs) Part of the reason why I'm also single is because I hold women to the same standard as they hold men to. So like, so like, I want flowers or buy me a gun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yours is a little bit more expensive i want to be i want to be treated special I, I, you're a queen and i'm a king so treat me accordingly all um, right i'll send you a box of chocolates <laughs> <laughs> actually it's funny because i did send somebody in the industry uh some cookies because it's been like an ongoing joke but uh right before shot show I, uh, when I was getting on the plane, I went through security and okay, don't judge me, but I had an entire bag full of cookies. So of course, you know, they have to like check my carry on and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just like, that's so weird. Like, did I put anything like, did I leave a water bottle or something? Well, they had to check my cookies to make sure that there weren't any bombs. And, but I joked, I was like, Oh, what are you, are you just checking to see if like, you know, they're edibles because I live in Colorado oh and they're like, God. Oh no, they're like, we don't care about that. We're just looking for bombs. And, you know, of course I totally look like, you know, a little fatty because I, there was like probably 30 cookies in there. Uh, so <laughs> I told uh, a friend, uh, who's in the industry and he's like, cool, thanks for sharing your cookies. And I was like, listen, if you want, I'll share my dealer with you. They might be in your area. Her name's little Debbie. Look her up. And, you know, <laughs> so then as, as a, you know, just to be funny, I actually sent him some cookies from New York city from my favorite bakery. And sure enough, Mofo is not in his office. They were delivered today. And I'm like, cool. That's, that's great. He hasn't been in his office apparently all month. So whatever, they're just going to go to waste. But at that point, I guess it's just the thought that counts. See. But with all that matters, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I could have enjoyed those cookies. Like they were the best freaking cookies, but just, we're not going to talk about you, it. Cause you, I'm getting you, mad. You do sound, you do sound like a bad 
I do, right? But you know what? You, like, uh, as opposed to you, I could just continue to eat whatever I want as long as I do a few bar classes here and there. I'm still, you know, still killing it. So. I mean, I wish I, I wish I can contest you there, but I can't. <laughs> um, now, granted, I've actually never tested it because usually when I'm working out, I'm also trying to eat clean. But I've never actually like worked out consistently while eating whatever I want. So this is what this is what I've done. <clears throat> Because for people who, you know, follow the podcast, you guys know that I've been, I, it's been a little over a year now that I started getting into shape and actually lost quite a bit of weight, which a lot of people have a hard time believing because they're like, well, where, you know, and I'm almost embarrassed to even say how much weight I lost because you really can't tell the difference. You can kind of see it in my face and maybe in my thighs, but I ended up losing like 22 pounds and really all I did was I worked out, I stayed off of, you know, I kind of cut back on carbs and sugar. And then I would say like after 10 months, like at this point, I could eat whatever, eat and drink whatever I want. And as long as I still do about three classes a week, I, it's, I weigh the same. I, you know, I fit into my jeans. So I don't know. I think, now, it, I think you get to a point where you just kind of have to maintain it. Well, you, you, you see, here's the thing though. You said something very in particular, you cut sugar and carbs that right there will drop weight like crazy. Well, yeah. So initially, but initially that's what I did. And then once I got to the weight that I wanted to be, then I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And literally I eat like pizza, like every other day, love Mexican food. I mean, I am like such a, oh, if I ever had a diet, it would be, you know, I mean, and I still didn't really diet when I, when I cut back on carbs and sugar, those were just the two things that I did, but I still kind of ate relatively, you know, whatever I wanted. But I think once you reach a certain point, you just, at that point, just kind of have to maintain it. So just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of advice for you. So just hit it hard for, you know, 10 months. <laughs> well, see, the problem though, too, see, I, I lift. So what happens is my metabolism spikes. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is I start eating like a lunatic. Yeah. And so that's what happens. So it's like, like right now, I'm starving. But I had a Subway sandwich and three cookies earlier. Three cookies? Right? Yeah, three chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Have you had their raspberry or their like yeah, raspberry yeah, cheesecake they, cookies? Those are pretty good. I thought they were terrible. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had them and I was like, nah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> so now I'm in them. So then before you called me, I had like two handfuls of almond and a banana. And like some blueberries. And you're like, you're like at any minute, it's going to, yeah. You're like at any minute, it's going to kick in. I'm not going to be hungry anymore. Like, no, I'm starving. And I'm like, okay, what can I order from Uber Eats? That's not going to utterly, because I've already, (laughs) I already, I kind of, like I call it my day cheat. Yeah. Sometimes if my body's craving something, I'll just give it to it. Well, yeah, because that, and that's what I actually learned like a a long time ago is if you're craving something, usually just kind of give into it because Otherwise, you're going to eat all these like healthy things, all these things that you think are going to fill you up and you're still craving it. And then you eat that. So now you're like, you know, yep. way more calories in than if you just ate the, you know, whatever you're craving. Yeah. Because like right now, I don't have the craving for anything bad. So I'm probably just going to order a salad for the night just so that I can go to sleep without my stomach driving, driving me crazy. And then you're up. just you're going to take a sleeping pill and just forget that you're hungry. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I don't, I don't take sleeping pills. So I, I know. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's just like, <sighs> but yeah, right now I'm freaking 
starving. All right. Well, listen, don't get hangry on me. We're going to continue with the show. Before we go to the next segment, we're going to talk about Sportsman's Guide real quick. Uh, so they have, I mean, they have all kinds of stuff, but right now they have really good deals on boots and shoes. And the, the sale was actually so great that I actually researched to see what size I would be in men's shoes because there was these shoes that I really liked and they only came in men's sizes. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of did a thing and they just arrived today and they look fantastic. Uh, so ladies, if you're wondering if you can wear men's shoes, yes, it's, you just have to go down a size. It's a, it's a size and a half and it kind of, it actually worked in my favor. And it's kind of nice too, because most guys don't have such small feet. So then those are like the sale items that are, you know, those are pretty much what's left and yeah, it just, it works in your favor anyways. Mm. Yeah. A little pro tip. But if you find something you like, you know, anything, even aside from shoes, they have everything. Use the code GUNFUNNY20, and that will get you $20 off your purchase of $100 or more, and you can go to sportsmansguide.com. All right, now time for our AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as... Never mind. AF. So I'm really interested to talk to you about um, everything that's going on in Virginia right now. And as you guys know, my shows are always pre-recorded. So this was, you know, it's a few days before uh, the Monday that the show comes out. So if things change, you know, but as of right now, so today the House passed the suppressor ban, but it doesn't have to do just with suppressors. Um, it's including, you know, quote unquote, high capacity magazines, quote unquote, assault type rifles, um, just a bunch of different things. And it's really, it's pretty alarming, like what's going on in Virginia right now. And I feel like it could really set the president, the president for, you know, for other states, which a lot of these states are already kind of starting to make moves. Well, that was the whole point of it. Virginia was supposed to be the catalyst. You got to think about it. Mm-hmm. If you can get something like that passed in Virginia, you can get it done anywhere. Right. That, that's the whole, that was the whole point. And then he all, and the thing is Bloomberg saw an opportunity. Right. He, he saw it because he knew that there was a comfort level that I, I that <laughs> scarily Texas suffered from too, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Virginia has this reputation of being the bastion of freedom. Right. And, and, and it's rightfully so. I mean, look at the flag. Right. <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know. But I think what happened is people are not paying attention to migration. There are a lot of people who are traveling from different, from different states who are more left leaning, so to speak, when it comes to the issue of firearms. And they started to populate that state. Then you got, then you have people coming in from, different countries that aren't coming from places where the idea and the concept of owning a firearm is foreign to them. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. So what ends up happening is you get a lot of people who are kind of like, you know, they just got kind of, kind of complacent essentially and not realizing the demographics have changed. And when I say demographics, I'm not talking about race as much as I'm talking about ideology. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a shift there. So you got a lot of people who don't go out and vote because I think we tend to focus too much on the presidential side of things. We don't focus a lot 
or enough on what happens on the state levels mm-hmm. as far as the legislatures and our representatives on the state level because they're in a position to create the laws that directly affect you. And so when you have a place like Virginia, which has a historic, which has historically been red, right? You you become complacent. It's like it's, it's just no different than being a championship team who constantly who's always winning to the point where they really kind of just stop trying. And then before they know it, the team comes up and whoops their ass. That's kind of what happened. Except mm-hmm. what happened was Bloomberg snuck in a lot of money, right? And did a lot of campaigning and got a lot of people who are of a different ideological demographic to go out and vote. And you have what you have now in Virginia. And so now it's what it's, yes, it has waking up a sleeping giant. But the question now is, is it too late? Yeah. They, they essentially have the House and the Senate. Right. Even governor. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've, they've maneuvered, they've outmaneuvered us in Virginia. People are talking about it's not, is it? And then crack the joke, just like 4D chess. <laughs> well, that's what you just saw happen. Yeah. You got outmaneuvered. That's pretty much what happened. You got outmaneuvered. And so because of that, I look at what's going on in Virginia and I just look at Texas and I look at me, look at what's going on in Arizona. I'm trying to do the same thing in Arizona. Because these people, like it's it's literally like a like a disease, right? These people are coming from states that are essentially failed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at California. Is, exactly, and the cost of living is so high that they're like, we need to get out of here. But then they're taking, they're, they're they're not leaving because of the ideology. They're leaving because of the cost, because of the standard of living. Mm-hmm. But then and they're then taking not realizing up. that the standard of living is the way it is because of the fucking ideology. Yeah. I know. I see so, it right now happening in Colorado, which is very close to California. There's been exactly. just a huge change, like in the last two years, with Colorado. Yep. I mean, I'm sure and you see it with Texas. Exactly. Like I live in Dallas, Texas, right? And I live downtown. Now it's a major metropolitan area, which tends to typically lean left in mm-hmm. any major metropolitan area that you go to. However, my neighborhood was filled with Beto signs when he was running. Filled, filled with them. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and keep in mind, Beto, Beto didn't get killed in Texas. Yeah. He almost won. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we don't understand. And we're like, and I hear people all the time, this will never happen. What happened in Virginia will never happen in Texas. Yeah, Virginians were saying the same shit. Right. And now look at it. So it's, 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 Virginia is the canary in the coal mine. That's a sense of what it is. Because as you see right now, Bloomberg's money is long. And he has nothing else to do except try to spend it to gain more control and die. Mm-hmm. That's all he has to do. There's, no, there's nothing left for him to do. He has all the money. He's not trying to make more money. He already has it. So what do you do when you've made, when you've made all the money? You've bought all the things you've ever wanted. And you're old as fuck. What do you try to do? You try to accumulate power. Now he's thinking legacy. What is my legacy? And so if he can in one of the freest states in the, not the one, is the freest, freest country in the world, mm-hmm. get them to undermine the very inherent right that allows us to be free. That's a hell of a fucking legacy. Yeah. And that, that's his motivation. That's his drive. And he has nothing, he has nothing but time. 
but then he doesn't have time because he's old as hell. So he's even more, he's even more, that's what I'm looking He's for. working he's, fast. He's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's not playing any games. Yeah. And so from that perspective, it's like, we've got to understand what we are dealing with. Gosh, it's definitely, nice. it's definitely like such a scary time. I almost, you know, and I'm not like everybody talks about like the big balloon and stuff like that, but I almost wonder if at some point in our time, in our lifetime, if we are going to see like some sort of civil war or something like that because of everything. And I know that there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are angry. I mean, even, you know, that video that you posted, people that, you know, expressed any sort of protest, they were ordered out of the room immediately. Yeah. And I think in, I think it's possible. Will we see it? I don't know. I hope we don't. Yeah. But it's not going to be in, it's not going to be in a typical, it's not going to be in the typical sense of what you expect a revolution to be mm-hmm. or a civil war, so to speak, actually, because it's going it's, to, it's, if it happens, it, I see it happening as you see basically little skirmishes kind of popping up, mm-hmm. little flare ups, right? And then possibly one of those flare ups results in a high loss of life, and then boom, everything explodes. That's when it'll be like, oh, crap, right? But these people aren't stupid. Yeah. They're not dumb. They know They know how far, so they know how far to push stuff. A lot of it is a temperature test. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking, is they're doing it slowly so that one day we wake up and we look back and we're like, when did this happen? Exactly. But then also it's to see how far they can push it, right? So they always start off with the extreme stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, assault weapons ban, confiscation, <laughs> right? And I literally just did that running in my house. <laughs> I um, was I was just kind of like, wow, that was intense. You should, you know, really consider, you know, uh, acting on the side. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was literally, I'm a method actor. So, you know, I actually did the run. Um, but they'll say, you know, they'll go far. And they're like, confiscation, assault weapons ban. And then they'll, they'll, they'll throw it out there and they're like, all right, let's see what happens. And then they get from the other side. And they're like, no. And they're like, okay, 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 okay. Instead of confiscation, because we can, you can grandfather your guns. If you already have them, you can keep them, but no more. Right? Mm-hmm. And I keep, and I want, I want people, that's not a, no, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. I'm seeing that from people in Virginia who are like, well, we have the, the, the grandfather clause. Now they see they backed up. Now we have like, what? A minute ago, you could go and buy any AR you wanted to. Now you only get to keep the ones that you have. Well, and I think, I mean, isn't it? They don't, even with a suppressor ban, they're not allowed, they're not grandfathered into it. They have to basically destroy them or, you know, basically ship them out of state to. Yeah. So it's, it's like they're not even, at this point, they're not even grandfathered, which is ridiculous. Right now, from a Virginia perspective, <laughs> they have the House and the Senate. <laughs> so the, the, so the, all that's left that can be done is to make as much noise as possible mm-hmm. with respect to the issue. Because they have the House and the Senate. Uh, and it's just, it's just, but it's now, with respect to the Senate, all they need to do is turn one Democrat. That's, that's all they would have to do. Yeah. Cause it's that, cause it's that close in the Senate. Mm hmm. But I, I mean, and, and, and it's very possible because there are Democrats who are pro 2A, which I know that seems like an oxymoron for a lot of people. No, but there uh, are. But the, there are. It doesn't um, mean that, you know, just because you like guns that you always have to be conservative. Exactly. And so 
it's still very possible to flip someone, flip a Democrat or two, mm-hmm. and this doesn't pass. It may not even need to flip them. It may just you may just need to have a Democrat who's like, Whew, I do not want the fallout from when this passes. I do not want to see that in the state. So I'm just going to flip and just prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that could that could be that's a very well a possibility as well. So it's 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 unfortunate, but like I said, Virginia is the canary in the coal mine. And we've got to look at what's going on there and understand, yes, it can happen in your state. I know Texans, we're so arrogant. I'm arrogant. And we, we look at our state as a country. But understand, the demographics, the ideological demographics are changing every single day and not in the favor of Pro 2A mm-hmm. in places like Texas. Yeah. So you may think it can never happen in Texas. And you look up. For Christ's sakes, we almost... Beto almost won. The guy who has said the most anti-Second Amendment statement in the history of anti-Second Amendment statements with, hell yes, we're going to take your AK and your AR-15. He has said these things on a national stage in a way that no one ever had. And he almost won in Texas. Yeah, definitely scary. I know. All right. Well, moving on. The whole thing just kind of depresses me. But guys, if you're listening, definitely, you know, get out there, get active and, you know, stop being complacent. Uh, one of the things that doesn't depress me though is Sharps Bros. And I actually picked the live wire to talk about, which is their, their lower that are you familiar with Sharps Bros? Where they make, nope. you know, you probably are. You just, I think a lot of people just, uh, think that it's a different company that makes them, but, the lower mm-hmm. that has like the skull, the jack, the hog. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so yeah. so it's sharps bros. And but if you're not into that, they have a lower that's just really nice, like clean lines, just very classic, uh beveled mag magazine flare. Um and it's called the Live Wire. It's really beautiful. It's on their website for $214.95, and you can find that at sharpsbros.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right, guys. So as always, if you have any questions, just uh, go to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form and submit your question there. Today's question is, if you're arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family assume you had done? You're asking me? Uh, I mean, we both have to answer this. So, uh, I mean, oh, <laughs> I'm like, there's so many things. I mean, so I've changed my ways, obviously, in the last couple of years. But like growing up, I definitely was not like a good kid. My my sister was a good kid. She was always like the straight A student. And then only mm-hmm. my only up until my junior and senior year did I finally like, you know, switch schools and got straight A's and then got into a really good college, got a scholarship. But up until that point, I didn't care about school. I just cared about my friends. Um, at one point, my mom put me in that scared straight program, which was a disaster because at that age, I just laughed whenever I get nervous. So I wasn't crying. I was laughing and that just pissed them off even more. Uh, so, you know, I've had, uh, I mean, it could be a number of things, but fairly recently in the last couple of years, 
I did, and I don't even know if I want to actually say this because I feel like I could, I would be admitting to a crime. I don't know if I should even say it. <laughs> I mean, but as, as your as as not your lawyer, but your lawyer, you're like, don't do <sighs> it. Yeah, don't. I would incriminate myself. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Basically, it was something that I did after finding out that a boyfriend was cheating on me for a few months. So, but that aside, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that a million thoughts would go through my friends' minds. <laughs> what would yours be? Speeding at an excessively high rate. Okay, well, that's really boring. I mean, I don't consider going maybe <laughs> on road boring, but okay. <laughs> that is true, because I think once you exceed a certain limit, you can get arrested, correct? Pretty much, yeah. And I've done that many times. Um, no, I haven't done that any time. Right. There you go. I don't know. I mean, mine would probably be, I don't know. Cause I mean, I've definitely have calmed down quite a bit over the years. It's like, all right, you, you know, you become an adult and you, and then you also realize all the things that could go wrong. Like when you're a kid, you don't realize like, you know, that mm -hmm. if you do a, it's going to cause B and you know, whatever. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe being intoxicated somewhere. Okay. And well, I got intoxication. Yeah. Even though, you know, typically I don't really drink too much to get drunk, but you never know. Maybe it's, maybe I'm celebrating something or, or something. Who knows? <laughs> so that's our answers. We're sticking to it and we're moving on because we're not going to incriminate ourselves. <laughs> well, I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right. So polymer 80. And I'm sure you're familiar with Polymer 80 as well. They're known for their pistol frames. You know, you can, they're 80% lower frames, but you can also, I think what a lot of people fail to realize, which is what they originally came out with, were their 80% lowers for the AR-15 and the 308. And they still have those on their website. So if you guys are interested in that, check it out. If you use the code GUNFUNNY, you will get 15% off. And that is at Polymer80.com. Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So there's a new ammo that just recently launched, and it's not from a new company. It's from uh, the same company that is uh, Spears, uh, Spears Gold Dot, which you guys might be familiar with. So Spear launched a new, it's called uh, Carry Gun. Self-defense ammo. It comes in nine millimeter, 40, 45, and it's basically designed to achieve better results, uh, for the FBI protocol test. And, um, it uses a Spears Gold Dot G2 bullet. And the G2 opts for a shallow cavity in the nose of the bullet in lieu of traditional hollow points. So the cavity is filled with like a durable, uh, elastomer, which prevents material from clogging the cavity and negatively impacting the expansion. And we talked about this before the show and you said that it was comparable to something that Hornady makes. Yeah. The polymer tip. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know too much about the bullet, but that's what it sounds like. So I saw, um, I saw a picture of somebody submitted a picture of what the, basically the old ammo that they made, the, the spear gold, in comparison to the carry gun ammo that they have now. And it definitely expanded a lot more. It looked interesting. I would be curious to kind of do, you know, 
some tests on it and to see exactly what the expansion looks like. But um, it's just crazy how like how much they've they've come such a long way with the, you know, advancements of self-defense ammo. And and it's like nowadays, you know, you could easily just shoot nine millimeter and be completely covered. Whereas like maybe back in the day, people are like, no, you need a 45 and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. But it is kind of crazy that they're constantly always like working on new developments and it's just getting better and better. No, absolutely. And that's why I carry a nine. You don't carry any very much. The only, the only time you'll see me carrying anything outside of a nine is probably like a 45. And that's only like when I'm going to like, um, if I'm going to California where they have a magazine capacity limitation and I can only carry 10 rounds. Uh-huh. Then, yeah. I, mean, I just carry the biggest bullet I can since yeah. I carry, I usually carry, I, I carry nine for the increase in capacity. Mm-hmm. And so, but when that's not, not really a factor, um, you know, I'll carry a Glock 30. And largely, honestly, because the Glock 30 to me handles the 45 round better than any gun I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a pretty so, big Glock fan. Although I've noticed that it definitely just depends on, you know, I mean, really, it's just the ergonomics. Like some people shoot Glocks really well. Other people shoot Smith & Wessons really well. For me, Glocks always, you know, just shot the best for me. But um I think that it does a really great job of absorbing a lot of that recoil. What do you typically carry when you're when you're using a nine? In terms of my defense rounds? Uh huh. No, not your defense uh, rounds, but the gun. Oh, it it, it was the Glock twenty six. Uh-huh. I still carry that pretty regularly. Um, I've started kind of branching out into different guns as of recent. Well, it's like at, at this point, it seems like the twenty six is so bulky. It is. Um, there's a kind of a nostalgic thing for me with the 26 because it was my carry gun for so long mm-hmm. well and, and i guess ironically also the size, like if you put on some pounds too it's probably easy to conceal <laughs> i wouldn't know anything i wouldn't know anything about that i'm a lean i'm a lean mean fighting machine so um I, it must be it must be referring to some of the other guests oh, okay <laughs> so i didn't mean to cut you off but you said you're branching off to the 365 I've been carrying the three P three sixty five for uh, quite a while now. Mm-hmm. I actually started carrying the P three sixty five XL with their Romeo Zero, mm-hmm. and I I shoot the P three sixty five incredibly well, mm-hmm. intuitively. And the P three sixty five XL, I actually don't shoot it as well as the P three sixty five, but I like the fact that. You who have the Romeo read that on there as an option. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I me, haven't really gotten into red dots as far as carry guns. Like I don't have a red dot in any of my carry guns. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw that Halson, they might be developing. I mean, this is like early on in the work. So it's, a, it's probably not going to come out anytime within the next year, but they made a really tiny red dot, which was uh battery lit, battery list. And, uh, kind of like solar power. And I mean, it was just really tiny. And like that is something that I probably would use, but I just kind of think that a lot of times that optic just makes it a little bit just, I guess, bulkier. So it does. I don't know, but I mean, it it's, does. it's definitely no. easier to get like on your target quicker. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, shooting at longer distances, um, it, it implies a little bit more confidence, mm-hmm. um, versus the irons. Yeah. So, 
for me, that's why that's, that's withstanding. You understand where your zero is, right? Um, cause that's a factor too that people don't really talk about is mm-hmm. where you zero that can change according to your distance. Yeah. Versus irons, which is pretty much point of aim, point of impact because mm-hmm. it sits so close to the barrel. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am. I, I still haven't crossed over. Um, I am entertaining it and I'm trying it out and see where, where it all lands. Uh, as far as my red dots on my guns. Um, I like the idea of them. I love them on rifles. So I'm like, wow, I would not like them on pistols. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I am right now. Huh. Okay. Cool. I will say, you know, that aside, it's crazy. Like to pick out a concealed carry gun at this point, a lot of these guns that used to be, you know, like, uh, top contenders are now pretty much obsolete. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the Smith and Wesson, the shield, the, uh, even the Glock 42, the 43. I mean, yeah. now that basically like the Sig P 365 came out and then the Hellcat, the Hellcat, which, you know, followed maybe like two years after yeah. with a gun that size that has that, you know, that much that the mag capacity that it does, it makes all these other guns that are even bigger than those guns. I mean, just who would even buy that gun at this, at this point? I think it depends. I think there are people who still will buy them because there's a, there's a component of shootability that I think a lot of people tend to undervalue when it comes to concealed carry. The only reason why I'm entertaining going to the P365 is because I shoot it so well. Mm-hmm. If I didn't shoot it that well, I'd probably still be carrying. If I just said, let's say I shot it just not as well as my 26, I'd probably still carry my 26. Yeah. But I shoot it as well, if not better, than my 26. For whatever reason, it just works with my hand. For some people, having a bigger gun, slightly bigger gun, it, it makes the gun more shootable for them. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I could see them wanting to go to a 26. And then, you know, I mean, the 26 tried to test it and true. I mean, it's, I mean, it's been doing what it's been doing for the longest, you know? And even me, sometimes, I find myself, I, I, I kind of call it, gun size self-conscious um where do i even want to ask <laughs> <laughs> well it really what it is it's it's it, like so my p365 has what steps it's just kind of stock oh it's not, it really isn't a stock because you can change up the magazines but let's say let's say to keep it the same size as 26 in terms of the grip length mm-hmm. was it 12 12 12 plus one all right mm-hmm and so from that perspective, I have 12 plus one where in my Glock 26, if I'm sticking with the plus magazine, I have 10 plus one. But my Glock 26 inspires more. Like if I'm like, I'm an, I know I'm about to get into a gunfight. I'm going to want to carry my Glock 26 because it just feels more substantial in my hand. And it inspires confidence in a way that even though I can shoot my P365 better, I feel like I'm more protected with my 26 because it's a bigger gun. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. It's, it's all psychological, but that's some people still buy based on that. Okay, that makes sense. What's that? Are you are you picking up your Uber my, Eats? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you little fatty. We're almost done. All right, just hang tight. Salad. <laughs> I 
salad. You're like, yeah, it's a salad. It has all the cheese, the meats, you know, basically it's a sandwich, but you know, without the bread and there's some lettuce. (laughs) No carbs. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. So changing the subject, trigger brew. They have coffee available. I know that there's some people that prefer whole bean where they ground it. For me, I'm like, eh, that's a little too much work. I don't even really cook that often. So, you know, but I know a lot of people are into that and it actually keeps, you know, it seems like the coffee is a lot more fresher that way. You could also get it in, uh, you know, grounded or case style cups. And you can find that at triggerbrew.com. If you use the code GUNFUNNY, you will get 20% off. And now it is time to read the iTunes reviews. So first review is ZZR Guy, five stars, awesome, great podcast. Ava is a great host and has a lot of interesting guests from the firearms community. I look forward to uh, the next podcast. And second is Snow338, five stars. Wraith is awesome. Great recap of busy events of SHOT Show. As always, Sven showed his true gentleman, his true gentleman with his uh, assessment of the precious debacle. Truly an example of the kind of person we need more of in the industry. Can't wait to get my hands on a War Scorp 9, which is what Wraithworks is uh, coming out with that Sven, de- that Sven from Manicore Arms designed. And now it's finally that time. This might be my longest show ever. 22 Plinkster might have you beat, but I'm not sure yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you guys definitely like to talk more than me. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we're finally going to wrap up. So you guys can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to every, you know, all of the places that the show is. Links to YouTube, you know, just all kinds of stuff. You should also consider becoming a Patreon if you enjoy the show, you know, consider becoming a patron. And also, Bull and Deadline is giving a lucky patron each month a $300 gift certificate. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he does awesome Cerakote designs. And you can do that at patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. I also want to thank my $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Michael Alexio, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, and Justin Paulson. And King of the Patreons is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that there are currently five viruses that could eradicate the world's population in less than a week. They are laying low because Operator Tickles does not like competition. And you know who Tickles is, right? No. Yes, you do. Say say that again? I said you know who Tickles is. Tickles? Yeah. Remember I sent you a picture of my dog and you said it was a little pig. Yeah, it looks like a pig. It's You're a like, what piglet. is that? A little piglet? And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not tickles. It's piglet. <laughs> piglet. <laughs> but it's funny because the way she, that she was laying down, she actually did look like a little mini piglet. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, definitely piglet. Yeah. Well, be careful because she can get very operatorish, you know, if you piss her off. So, so you have a tactical piglet. Uh huh. Yep. All right, so for listeners who haven't found you on the internet and they want to follow you, where can they find you? Everywhere. I know. <laughs> I'm literally everywhere. It's so sad. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, even TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Um, yeah. I hate I TikTok. I, Every time I post a video, it gets flagged. Yeah, and that's kind of – if you post enough, some of the stuff will stick and they won't take it down. The problem is it's like you never know. So you get invested in a post and then it comes down and you're like, oh, 
And yeah. it's just like, it's just too much, it's too much emotional up and down for me. Right. I'm just like, but know. it's totally okay for like 12 year old girls to like dress half naked on TikTok or TikTok, <laughs> TikTok. Like that's totally okay. But you know, I can't like post a, a video of me shooting a gun. Scrolling through TikTok makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. That yeah, I'll agree with that. And um, so going back to where they can find you. So they just search for Colian Noir and. Uh, yes. Yeah. Just search Colian Noir on any of those platforms. Um, I should pull right up. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate you spending almost two hours with me. Well, you know, time flies when you have a good time. <laughs> That's true. All right. We are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.